Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. In Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. We're going to have some fun in the next segment. Al May coming up, Jack Michaels at 1.35. And we'll tell you that Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office IT and software. Straight off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show Edmonton Area Product. Longtime Washington Capital player. He was a tough guy when he played. And uh, current television analyst for the Caps, Al May. Hi, Al. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Stop? Well, we're a little bit bummed out here, man. Like, uh, it didn't happen for the Oilers this year. Uh, I know you watch them a lot. Uh, you know, you're from here. You're a former Oilers player, uh, albeit a short stint. Uh, you have very strong opinions as to how the game should be played. What went wrong for the Oilers this year in the playoffs, in your opinion? Well, I just think they didn't play the right style. Their defensive fundamentals weren't where they needed to be. When I was watching them play all the games, the Chicago Blackhawks are a fast team that depends on puck movement. They've got a lot of wheeler dealers, and you don't have the roster to go head-to-head the Oilers. They have, granted, you have Dreisaitl and McDavid, who are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal speed players. Eugene Hopkins could probably play that way. But to me, you had to get in their way. The sticks had to be on the ice. You had to take lanes away. And they were trying to trade chances. And with the Oilers' defensive lack of mobility on their backside, they were exposed. And you needed to have all your forwards back, uh, specifically the second, third, and fourth line, needed to be way better in getting back and protecting the house. Your goaltenders aren't going to be able to look good if you're not playing defensive against a team like Chicago. And the Oilers don't have the speed to go back and forth. And it's a lot like in the past, the Capitals would play the Penguins, and they tried out Pittsburgh the Penguins, which couldn't be done. And you have to get in their way. And to me, they didn't get in their way enough. And a lot of players uh, didn't rise up to the occasion. did not like the overall style of play to go head-to-head against the Blackhawks. Because really, the Oilers should have won that series had they played the proper style of hockey. Uh, You know, it's my contention that this team's lack of depth, uh, lack of transition game on the back end, played significant factors they also didn't get the stops uh, there's been some criticism of the leadership of the Oilers top end players give me your assessment there well I think it's laughable to criticize McDavid and Dreisaitl they produced at what they were supposed to do and the, the rest of the guys you know I know the efforts there but systematically they weren't doing the right thing how many times I saw sticks in the air not checking on the puck and the Oilers are not a fast team they have some very fast players but they are not a fast team and as I referred to earlier that the defense is not that agile it's not that mobile Klopbaum's a good skater he's a different skater but he's not a speedster Darnell Nurse can, can wind it up but he's not an agile guy Ethan Bear is still learning how to play the game he's not a high-end speed guy in my opinion and then the other guys Russell doesn't have the speed Benning doesn't have the speed to play a game so you have to rely on a five-man unit of defensive play and the Oilers didn't do that they, they reminded me so much of what happened in Washington for years. You expect Dreisaitl and David to score every single goal 
and the other guys weren't chipping in. They didn't take it upon themselves to step up. Uh, their third and fourth liners still need to do more, and they need to rise up, and they weren't getting that. But the biggest thing, there wasn't enough shot blocks. There weren't enough finished hits. There weren't enough takeaways that, and, you know, eliminating the other team passing. So, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't there to be Doug Jarvis and Guy Carbonell. They're there to provide offense. They still, they cannot score every goal. They were plus players in the series. They're high level of intensity every single time they were out. But to me, the lack of depth, and we've talked about this for years. I, I like Tippett as a coach. I, I like what Playfair brings, but the, the overall skating dynamic of that team has to drastically in, you know, improve to get this team to go and start winning playoff rounds because right now it's just not there. And then once again, Ken Holland was handcuffed with a lot of this roster. And you know he, he did what he could to piecemeal it. You know, Neil was a good addition this year. Uh, I thought Chason played a gritty style of hockey when he had to. Zach Cashin, I didn't like his playoff. And I, I remember the last time I watched the Oilers in the playoffs, he was like a heat-seeking missile out there. He was unbelievable. So he was off of his, yeah, yeah, he was off of his game. And, you know, there, there was a couple other players after Sydney. Uh, I did not even know that he was playing in the series. And But he's one of those guys that can drive you crazy because you'll see him, and I've seen him light it up against the Capitals so many times. And you wonder, why does this guy not do that every single game? He should be high-octane. If that guy had the intensity of dry settlement David, he'd be absolutely dangerous. And he's got to be one of the most frustrating players for a coaching staff because the speed is there. He can walk anyone in the league, but the intensity's not there. So if you don't have that, you're just an average Joe, and an average Joe doesn't get you too far in the playoffs. Uh, you mentioned Cassian uh, and you know, Zach was so good against San Jose. I mean, in Game 2 and Game 3 of the San Jose series back in 17, he may have been the Oilers' best forward. Remember, Connor got off to a bit of a slow start uh, in that playoffs, and, and so did Leon. Um, and I'm just wondering a bit with Chicago. Like, they kind of came in and played. They don't have any toughness at all, Al. Like, it's... It, obviously, it's not like it was when you like they didn't dress. You know, Zach Smith was out with an injury. Andrew Shaw was out with a concussion. Smith had a back problem. Even Seabrook, who's a hard nosed, tough defenseman, he's I mean he, he's the guy that buried David Backus with that hit. Uh, they didn't have any of that, and it's like they just came in and played a quiet, disengaged game. How does a guy like Cassian make himself part of the game when the other team doesn't want to engage at all physically? Well, first of all, it starts with all your play without the puck. No matter what, defensively, you know, he had to, he had to be better in, in all those areas. And then finding ways to get pucks in below the goal line because, you know, the, the third and fourth line style of players should not be trying to pass through sticks. And they should be throwing rubber at the net, not playing egghead hockey, which is the athletics version of the game. You need to, to throw rubber at the net. And guys like that, that's where they make their living. Cashin is a tough, hard-nosed player, but getting rubber to the net, but you can't run around looking for it. You've got to play patient in a series like that. You know, high pucks into the glass so you can finish on those smallish defensemen that Chicago had. So it was kind of, it didn't factor in. So I think line by line, each line, you shouldn't be playing the same system necessarily. There's got to be tweaks to how each line plays, like what you're doing when you get to the blue line. You know, the, the must, throwing the puck up the wall, finishing your hit, stick on the ice to get to the puck and then eliminate the player. And he just didn't look like he had speed in these playoffs. And I know that from what I saw him before in the playoffs, he can wind it up. It just it, throughout his career, I, since he became an Edmonton Oiler, I've loved the way the kids played. He just he was off in these playoffs. But then again, I saw a lot of guys that were off, so something wasn't right there. 
and they're going to have to look at that. And, and I'm not sure if Cashew was injured because I was thinking when I saw him play, he, he, he didn't have the same jump, the same spark, the same anger. Maybe he's one of the guys that was really affected by no noise in the building because he's a highly adrenalized player. And, yeah. and some players are being affected by the lack of atmosphere. And, the, and I know they're all paid and highly compensated, but you know what? It's so different right now. It's so Anyone that's ever played, when you play in an empty building, it kind of sucks the life out of your game. So you really got to work hard to get it to a level. And then sometimes you just don't feel well, no matter what you're doing. You don't feed off of that crowd. And I know that in the past, they're playing at Edmonton. You know, the Oilers fans love this kid. And right now there were no Oilers fans in the buildings to feed off of his energy. And he wasn't feeding off of theirs because they were at home watching on television. Al, I had another former uh, Oilers player who coached in the organization the last five years say the exact same thing to me. He's the player that missed the fans the most for the Oilers, and that was Zach Cassian. Al May joining us. Al Washington and the Islanders. Uh, is this the Mitch Corn Cup? I, to me, it's interesting, right? I mean, he's he leaves Nashville. And suddenly their goaltender starts struggling to stop the puck. Uh, Samsonov, not an option for Washington. Holpe going the distance. Uh, you know, uh, Mitch helped uh, with Barry Trotz. The Caps win the Stanley Cup. And, and the Islanders have run a couple goaltenders through there. Uh, I, you don't get anywhere if you don't have good goaltending. This is an interesting matchup between Washington and the Islanders, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And Mitch Korn is so incredible. And to be able to spend any amount of time talking him about the goaltending position, even goal scoring, uh, as far as where shooting the puck and what you're looking for is absolutely phenomenal. And he works very well with Barry Trotz. And if I were Barry Trotz, as long as I coach, I give I make sure that Mitch is highly compensated to join me because he, he's a huge difference maker. And the goaltenders, first and foremost, they get in better shape than they've ever been in. And mentally, they get into a better place. And, and then Yoda, as I like to call him, he just gets in there and knows exactly how to speak to these guys. He knows when to slap them on the wrist, which he doesn't do a whole lot, but his communication skills are second to none. And he just all the little things in your game, the scouting reports I've seen from him on goaltenders are so dead on. And then there's a secret weapon that he has. He has about six minutes of video prepared every game of where to shoot, where goaltenders are susceptible. And I know a lot of times the game is so different from when I played. You know, guys just relied on their knack for scoring but now they go in this situation this guy's prone to high blocker side and guys will be thinking that because they, they've gone over these these shooting videos and these goal scoring videos of where to place the puck and even the grinders are aiming for those spots so we saw the other day every guy in the islanders when they were going for the puck was shooting blocker side on full feet and looking for rebounds on the blocker side so i think there's more to it than this guy scoring some goals i think there was a scouting and that's where they wanted to go the other day all right, we're joined by Alan May, longtime NHL player. Uh, spent most of his career with the Washington Capitals, uh, several years now as a Capitals broadcaster. You know you're in a series with the New York Islanders, don't you? I mean, right from the get-go, the big hit on Backstrom by uh, Anders Lee. Uh, Carlson jumps in there, and then Tom Wilson, you know. Uh, Anders Lee, by the way, fought uh, Darnell Nurse L, a couple years ago. Darnell did not like how Lee conducted himself at the end of that fight, and uh, Darnell went looking for another fight with uh, Lee, and he really wasn't that obliging. Uh, but he had to take the fight against uh, Tom Wilson. It didn't go well for Lee. I don't think we're done seeing some of this in this series. Do you? Well, you you would think as an old time hockey guy, I, I would think you know you want to see it and you'd love to see the rough and tumble, but. 
really it's not in the Capitals' best interest to be pushing and shoving after every whistle if they're not initiating it. Because I thought the other day, Barry Trotz, his plan was to go out there and agitate. And they were in the penalty box a few times, but he had his guys wound up. We've got to do this. Andres Lee, I don't think he intended to hit hurt Backstrom, but he did intend to hit him late. And that was all part of the process of how they played the game because all of a sudden, Tom Wilson, you're already down an important player in Backstrom. Wilson goes out there and wants to get him. Wait till the end of the game. I, I love the fact that he defended his teammate, but at the same time, you take a top six forward off the ice, depending on how much time he's in the penalty box over a five-minute penalty, you could be in there for 10 minutes of play if there's no whistle. So he, he may have missed three, four, five, six shifts of ice time in the time that he was in the penalty box where he could have been terrorizing the Islanders defensemen who aren't really that aren't that fast. He's got one speedy guy back there in Letty. The rest of the guys lumber a little bit. They're big. They use their size very well. Devon Taves is a little bit agile, but he's not fast. But Wilson wasn't out there to create mayhem below the goal lines and on the wall. So you don't want to get involved with Martin. I'd leave him on the ice. He hasn't been that effective this year as he's been in the past. Clutterbuck is, is kind of there in, in the same category. He's not moving like he was. So Zika's still a great player, but I think he got a pummel you know, physically and not worry about the extracurricular unless there's a big spread in the score late in the game. And then that's when you do your damage and send your messages. But you cannot lose a top six forward in Tom Wilson, who's been absolutely fantastic since these guys came back to play. Uh, he and T.J. Oshie have been lighting it up, but Wilson's physicality, his speed, you know how much he's learned the game, the goal-scoring touch that he now has. Uh, he, he's a phenomenal player. I want him on the ice. I don't want him in the penalty box. And you, to me, that plays into the Islanders' hands. If you, if you take the most feared forecheck from the National Hockey League off the ice, that helps the Islanders. Now the defensemen have a little bit more time to move the puck. They're not that much worried about any other Capitals player. So they can go back with confidence to retrieve those pucks and make great outlet passes. Al, what would have happened back in the 1991 playoffs? And look, with all due respect to Mike Ridley or Michael Pavanka, they're not Nicholas Backstrom. They're not as good, but those were your top two centers that year. What would you, Nick Kiprios, would have done if uh, if a, a player like Hunter's Lee would have run, you know, one of your top two centers like that and, and drill them a little bit late? Would it have been fully on? Well, it would have absolutely been back then, but it was completely different times. So if we were on the ice on the other side of it, you know, no one wants to listen to this, but we would have been targeting their other players. So if you're playing, depending on who you're playing, Barzell goes down. Someone's going to hit Barzell the exact same way, accidentally on purpose, Corey Perry style. Uh, he's turning to retrieve up the ice. You take him out. I've seen Cal Clutterbuck do things like that, and you send messages. You also tell them. You know what? You go tell the players. You tell their top players. And we, we've known this to happen in the past. Uh, you just skate over. You tell them one more, one more of those, you're dead. And, you know, we know that that long time ago in the Vancouver series, you know, Burray was given a talking to. And all of a sudden, everything changed in the series. So you have to make sure that there's younger players, those, those speed players up the middle, that they're told that anything like that happens again, you're the guy going down. And even though it may not happen, especially because today's game's not as, you know, guys aren't aren't into payback like they were back then, and it's not much of a tactic. But at the same time, people don't like to hear the people that don't like hitting and fighting that just want to watch the KHL style of hockey. uh, They're going to be offended. But you're trying to win a playoff series. You've got to dig deep to do whatever you can. So if I'm the Capitals, I may have had a talk with a guy like Hathaway or Dow, their fourth-line guys, and say, man, I can't believe that Honors Lee did that to our best center. Man, I can't believe they you, know, you just kind of send a little message that 
man, no one did it to Barzell. I can't believe anyone never went after Barzell or one of their top guys or, or whether it's Brock Nelson or J.P. Peugeot, one of their speedsters. They're strong up the middle. So you send a message by trying to take those guys out every single chance you can. When I say take out, I'm not talking about injuring and killing and ending their careers. You're trying to set them up so they feel it. So next time they're apprehensive, maybe they let a pass go up the middle of the ice thinking they're going to, you know, their guys are looking for them. And now that's all part of the intimidation game, the way you have to play it now in 2020. Final one for you. Just a thought, uh, you know, the Leafs, Columbus, I mean, those two teams were, you know, really tight points-wise when we returned to play. Um, Toronto's got a lot of skill. Columbus has clearly got a, a lot of will. It, are, is Toronto in a different position than Edmonton or a similar position, Al? Well, Toronto still has, so I, I think their defensive side of it, the, the back end, is not nowhere near what it needs to be. Uh, okay. You know, because they play in Toronto, players are, I think, vastly overrated, in my opinion, and they just don't have the decor. If they had a decor, they'd be absolutely dangerous. When you look at the Blue Jackets, they have a decor, and then they have all these hardworking, gritty defensemen, or, or forwards, I should say, and they work so well together. But when you can play Seth Jones, 65 minutes of hockey, Wawenski, 61 minutes yeah. of hockey, yeah. and they're crazy. not even tired. And they come back the next game, and they're basically flawless. But they've done a great job of teaching those players how to play the game defensively the right way, sticks in lanes, closing out, stopping on pucks. And if I'm a coach, I use that all day long to show my players this is how you win and create. Because what they've been able to do against Toronto, they're relentless. What they've done against Tampa, they're relentless. You know, they still not, may not win the series, but they have an identity. And a lot of teams out there right now, the Edmonton Oilers do not have an identity to me. The Winnipeg Jets don't have one. Toronto, it's a negative identity. Washington Capitals really have struggled all year long to have an identity. Uh, when you know what your identity is, like the Philadelphia Flyers, and understand what you do, and the Columbus Blue Jackets, you're poised for playoff success. And I think that's most important. Uh, you have to know what's expected of your players every day. They've got to know what the coaching staff wants. And you've got to be willing to play that style of game right to the very end. Al, we appreciate your time. Have a great broadcast tonight. Take care, Bob. Thanks. You bet. That is Al May, local area product. Uh, it is currently 126 in Edmonton. Uh, we're going to marry the breaks here. Eileen Bell coming up at 130 with a global news weather traffic update. We'll get the James H. Brown injury report in at uh, 148 today. Jack Michaels up next on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.